Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, everyone. Come on. All right, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. All right, awesome. Great, guys. Great. Uh, Hey, band, wow, thank you for that last song. I just really felt Jesus in the room. I really was touched, moved. Thank you, Michelle, for your, um, yeah, just a, a wonderful story and conviction that you shared, and I think it's awesome. Let's be praying for our children. Uh, let's be making sure that our kids are, yeah, just protected and, yeah, that we just place our hands over them. We do that with our children every night uh, before they go to bed. We read um, a Bible story to them. We pray for them. We bless them and pray the Lord's protection over them. And our children are a gift from the Lord. So it's great. Awesome. Great. Good to be here with you this morning. Uh, we're on Missional Life, uh, the series, as uh, Francis shared. Yeah, we, we have a, a desire to, to seek Jesus or to seek God, follow Jesus, and, be, and participate in, in, in His redemptive mission, right? And I think it's important that we, that we understand that we've been called to something greater than ourselves, something greater than ourselves. And I, I often or I sometimes hear uh, Christians speak about a private faith. And I'm like, I don't know. I've never heard of that before. You know, that is not a, that's nothing that is associated with Christ and, and being a Christ follower. We've been called to, to fulfill a mission, and he has asked us to go out into the nations, make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. I think that's, that's important. That go is not a you know, that go is not a passive go, it's not a noun, it's a verb, it's like go, you know, be sent and go and do something uh, uh, and go out into the world. And, and it's important to remember that I think many times that people think, oh, okay, well, you know, I need to be having a certain position in church, I have to be, you know, in the front row or be a leader, and that, that's not true. You know, you have your own mission field wherever you are, and uh, it's so important to realize that you are a missionary, Wherever you are in your place, in your world, it could be your neighbor, it could be your colleague, it could be the person on the bus, the person in the gym, it could be the parents who you're doing um, this, uh, what do you call it when you have a baby, um, mother and father group. Uh, so I think it's important to realize that wherever you are, be all there in Christ. And I think that's important to know and to realize that. All right, great. Hey, uh, so our main scripture for the series is out of Romans 10. Uh, verses 13 to 15, I'm reading out of the NIV, and it goes like this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how can they call on the name if they have not, <clears throat> call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good News And you guys might again say that, oh, Matthew, but, you know, to preach is to be here on the pulpit. And, and I say that's not true. I, I've found in my own life that my life speaks louder than words. My life has been a testimony to my family. You know, my family, my extended family, Crystal, can testify this as well too. I believe I've come to, to the fullness and the knowledge of Christ and are leading a, a Christ-like lifestyle simply because we have just remained true to who God is inside of us. And it's not us preaching them to them, not trying to convict them in any way, 
But we, we just live our lives as, as Christ has, has called us to, Christelle and myself. And, and by default, they are, they are just, wow, okay, that's, in, that's impressive, that's attractive. Tell me more, show me more. And so I want to encourage you this morning as well, too, that you can preach to your colleague at work. You can preach to your neighbor who lives directly next to you. You can preach to your colleague who is going to be with you in the gym or to the parents who are with you in the parent group by simply exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit in your life. They may ask, oh, well, hang on, why are you so joyful all the time? I get that, that question all the time. And, and I, I, even, you know, my workplace, I, for those who don't know, I still work in the, in the marketplace during, during the day, 40, 40 hours a week. And, and the colleagues ask, like, have you, have you had a bit of wine before you come to work? Why, why are you so joyous? And I'm like, I look at them in very strange ways. and like, no, no, I just, I'm just filled with the Spirit. And, and they're like, oh, okay. It's, uh, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I have the coffee machine, and, you know, you get to the first conversation on the Monday, and you, they're like, ah, oh, what did you do the weekend? I'm like, I went to church, and I was, I was praising the Lord. And they're like, oh, you go to church. And, you know, kind of the conversation dispels over from there. Hey, man, you've got ample opportunity to be able to preach the word of the Lord to the people around you in your immediate world. So I just want to encourage you, be bold. You know, when asked the question, hey, what did you do on a Sunday or the weekend? Be bold enough to say, hey, I went to church and I just, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of a community that praises the Lord. And you, I'm sure you are going to get follow-up questions from that and that will be your opportunity to preach the gospel. So I want to highlight a little bit of what Justin spoke about last week. Again, we're in this missional series. He spoke about angst and God and God's character. And I think one of the most earmarked or characteristic traits of God is, is exemplified through this piece of scripture over here out of Luke 15 verses 4. Again, reading out of the NIV. And it says like, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. Guys, the priority of heaven is not the sustainable stewardship of the flock, but the radical pursuit of the lost one. That one that is lost, that is the priority of God. That might, you know, again, God's love for the individual is not weighted statistically against the overwhelming majority of the flock. You know, you might say the odds are like, oh, well, hang on a second. Should he leave that one, or leave the 99 to pursue the one? Wouldn't the other 99 scatter? And then he has to go and find them again and find them again. And No, but that's, that's God's heart. That is God's heart for the lost, the broken, the unsaved, who don't yet know who Jesus Christ is. And, and, and that, that, is, that is really God's heart. And, I, and I, I was praying this week, and as I was putting this message together, it might seem a little bit strange uh, to, to bring this up at this point in my message this morning, but I want everyone to close your eyes right now. And I want to speak to the one or two, three or four, however many that are in this room this morning. If you feel like you are that lost sheep out in the wilderness, if you feel like you are the one who has been roaming around in this world without answers, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling like you cannot carry the weight of the world on your shoulders and you feel like, this is just, this is me. I, I, I'm, I'm lost. I haven't yet given my heart to Jesus Christ yet. Or, or secondly, you might be the other person who has followed Jesus for a number of years, but have kind of lost your way. You find yourself in this wilderness in life, feeling like, Lord, where are you? Where are you? I, I, I don't know where you are. And you feel like, you, so, you feel abandoned. You feel alone. If that's you this morning, I want to I wanna pray with you this morning. Actually, I want everyone to pray this the sinner's prayer this morning so that, that one or two don't feel kind of like uh, embarrassed to, to be praying that. So let's just all pray this morning. And I want to give, um, give you guys an opportunity at the end 
of the service, whoever prayed the prayer with conviction to come afterwards and come to speak to me. I want to pray with you even more and just introduce you further to Christ. So let's just pray this morning, uh, church, together. Father, I give you my life. I return to you as the lost one. I commit my life over to you, Jesus. Father, I, I know I'm a sinful being. I lay my life down before you, Father. I commit my life to you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So again, is anyone who's prayed that, that prayer this morning, just with a spirit of conviction, I want to invite you at the end of the service to come, to come pray with me, come talk to me, and I'd love to further introduce you to Christ. So the, the message uh, that I have this morning is, the title is The Message. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Drum roll. Uh, so this morning I'm going to be speaking a little bit about uh, the, the topic of stories. Stories is a way to be able to convey a message. And I think it's important to realize that all of us are living in a story today. Our life is a story. And I want to highlight two people uh, that, are, that have, have passed subsequently. And, and you know, they've, they've got very interesting stories, very different stories. And so the first one uh, for, was from uh, 9-11, uh, was one of the, the folks who ended up uh, in the Twin Towers. His name was Atta, uh, Muhammad Atta. He's an architect from, from Cairo uh, University, graduated in 1990. He kind of found his way after his studies to continue his studies in Hamburg at the Technology University of, of Hamburg Technology. And there he, he met up with a couple of uh, people, got involved in, in Al-Qaeda, and kind of just his life just really went down a certain path. And he was involved with Osama bin Laden, and he was one of those that ended up in, in, in the Twin Towers crashing the plane. His life ended in destruction. The second story is about a girl who grew up in Albania. She had a strange sense of devotion to God. She, she moved to Ireland to learn English and, and to focus on preparing for, for a mission work. She found herself being a part of a religious retreat as a young woman in the slums of Calcutta, India. Her name was Mother Teresa. He, her and a number of other ladies were pulling the orphans off the street and helping them because they would be ending up in a life of destruction and destitute and probably ending uh, in, in not so pleasant ways. Two very, very different stories, guys. Two very, very different narratives uh, of people that one was hailed a villain, the other one was hailed a saint. And both of them had certain narrative choice, life narrative choices. They, they lived in a way that either resulted in a life of destruction or a life of flourishing. And they would be remembered for two very different things. Because they chose a certain path, they had a certain narrative in this life. And I want to, you know, throughout this missional series, I want you guys to be in tune with what, what is being preached and what is being uh, spoken about. And if you're not in a connect group, please come and speak to my lovely wife over here. Uh, again, uh, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Matthew Faree. I lead this church with my beautiful wife, Christelle. Sorry, I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, that is who we are. All right. So, so part of this mission life, we're really expecting you to experience something out of the ordinary, something where you just feel like, God, you, you're speaking to me. And I, my, my greatest desire for you, church, is for you to live a life that is filled with Christ, a life that is filled with purpose. And as you stitch yourself to Christ, I really believe that you're going to live a purpose-filled, predestined, God-ordained, and designed life 
that you've been made for. Not a, not a life by accident or, or by chance or fate, whatever these, these kind of worldly terms are used, but a life that has been directed for, for you to be able to fulfill the calling and the purposes of your life. So that is what I believe for you guys this morning. So let's take a moment, let's just pray, and let's commit our thoughts to the Lord this morning. Father, I want to pray, Father, that you will come and that your spirit will rest upon us this morning, that your favor and your peace will be upon us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are life. There is nothing else that can deliver life like you do when we, when, when we find ourselves in your presence. We thank you, Father, for your hand of blessing, favor, and grace this morning. We pray for your presence and your peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So just turn to someone, shake them, and saying, get ready. We're going somewhere this morning. All right. So the focus uh, scripture this morning, everything that we preach from should be based on scripture. This, this book, the text inside of it, has the ability to transform your life. When reading it, ruminating on it, applying it, it will change your life. So we, we preach out of Scripture, and this morning we are preaching out of Romans 1, verses uh, 16 to 7, NIV. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew, then the Gentile. For the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So what is the gospel? Have you guys ever thought about what is the gospel? So the gospel is really the good news. So back in the day, uh, Christians in the first century, Rome, didn't have a, a, a term for, for, uh, for gospel, meaning the, the good news. So they, they basically appropriated it from the Romans back in the day. So the Romans, they would be conquering the world. There was a term used, you know, the, the sun never sets on the Roman Empire, Kind of like you know, they were really just these mass conquerors, and and they would they would every time they would conquer a city or a nation, they would send messengers out to to all the cities and and, and nations that they had conquered from before to say uh, they used to use this term called Roma Victor, and that was that was that basically meant bringing the gospel, the good news that hey, you don't have as a recipient of this message, you can live in peace knowing that we are victorious going forward. And so the, the early church was looking for language to express what Jesus had done. And they found this term, the gospel, as a means to say that Jesus Christ was victorious and everyone needed to know about it. Everyone needed to know about it. So that's why it was called the gospel. We are victorious in Christ. And so the small marginalized church moved into Rome with this message that Jesus is the true victor. They used Christo victus. Christo Victus. Christo Victus was the, the, what, what was announced, that Jesus Christ is victorious. And so, you know, back in the day, you know, they, back in Rome, they used to follow different gods that, were, that basically led to a life of destruction, led to a, a life where there was no life really in it. And so by following Jesus, you would find the fullness of life, and this was the gospel. And so, guys, we're living in a time in history right now in our days where everyone, a lot of people in our world are seeking life that's filled uh, with, with fruitfulness. You know, they're looking for a life that, that is meaningful. 
And, you know, I just see a lot of people sabotaging their lives, trying to, you know, in this, in this hot pursuit of trying to find fullness out of the things of this world, trying to stitch their lives to, to things that they, they believe are, are meaningful. And it just ends in destruction, just ends in destruction. And the sum of all the choices they make and the fruit of their lives really catch up with them. There's this sense of disappointment at the end when they, where they, they pursue certain things, certain riches in their life, certain titles in their lives, certain uh, you know, places or locations to live or whatever it is. You know, there's just this disappointment in life and destruction without God. And it's a haunting thought, people. It's a haunting thought knowing that at the end of your life you might recognize that you in fact have mislived, that you might have in fact mislived. There's this beautiful quote from William Irvine. I just want to bring it up on the screen. Um, he says this, that there is a danger that you will live a mislived life, that despite all your activities, despite all the pleasant diversions you might fight, find, uh, you might have enjoyed uh, a while alive, you will end up living a bad life. There is, in other words, a danger that when you are on your deathbed, you will look back and realize that you have wasted the one chance at living Instead of spending your life pursuing something genuinely valuable, you squandered it because you allowed yourself to be distracted by the various babbles life has to offer. This piece of scripture out of John 10.10 10 is, is so striking to me. I just, it just speaks volumes to me. And, and the second part of it says that I've come that you may have life and have life to the full. This is what Jesus says. This is one of the soul, this is the sole purpose that Jesus came is that you and I may have life and life to the full. Without Christ in your life, without understanding that we need to stitch our life narrative to Jesus' life narrative. And if we do so, we will live life to its fullest. The things of this world will just distract us. The things of this world will bring unhappiness for us in the end. When we come to the end of our life or end of a phase or a period of our lives, and we realize, oh, I was expecting this to happen out of the job title. I was expecting this to, you know, the, in, in my area of financial breakthrough. I was expecting this in a relationship. But I can, I can just guarantee you guys, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. Without Jesus Christ woven into the fabric of your life, everything will be ending in destruction and unhappiness and ultimately disappointment. And because... And after, after we become aware of the potential misliving, to avoid it, we must be aware that we operate out of a certain guideline in life. Alistair McIntyre said this, that man is essentially a storytelling animal, a teller of stories that aspire to truth. That means I can only answer the question, what am I to do? What am I to do? If I can answer the prior question of what stories or of story, uh, <clears throat> sorry, or what story or stories do I find myself a part of? What story you find yourself in will determine the direction of your life. Oh, hang on, that sounds familiar. Let me just talk about that in our previous series. It's so important, guys, to realize that we find ourselves in the right and the correct story. In this life, our culture is full of various narratives, and our own personal lives are on a journey towards a certain story. Right there, you know, every day, every choice that we make, every 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 facet of our lives has a certain story to it. But it's most important that in the midst of this, 
Jesus interrupts these smaller narratives and he invites us into the true story of God. There's an invitation to be a part of God's story. He says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Which he says that what he's basically saying is leave your story and join my story. Leave your story and come and join my story. Join my narrative of this life. Because the narrative that you're going to lead by yourself, the own choices that you make with with the omission of Jesus Christ is going to lead to a life of destruction. It's going to lead to a life where there is no mission. Jesus came to this earth for 33 years, and he came with a mission so that you and I can have relationship with our Father up in heaven, to leave the Holy Spirit as our helper so that you and I can continue that mission that lays ahead of us. And so let's take a look at the Christian narrative. What is the Christian narrative? And so the Christian narrative is made up of four overarching movements and the story of God. First, creation. Secondly, the fall. Third, redemption. And fourth, restoration. So these are the four Christian narratives that we should be living our lives by. And so when we talk about creation, it's the response to the question, the first area, creation, is why am I here? Why am I here on this earth? God, what is my purpose? Why have you placed me on this earth? That is the question we should be asking ourselves. Why am I here? And so the four, there are four main relationships that we should be entangled in as to why to try and answer that question. And so the first relationship is the relationship with God. The first relationship is the relationship with God, fellowship with Him. Adam and Eve found themselves walking in the presence of God in the Garden of Eden. And so we can still do that. We can still walk in the presence of God, our Father, because of Jesus' blood on the cross, that he died for you and me so that we can have relationship with our Father. No longer do we need a high priest to intermediate for us. No longer do we need you know, the, the curtain to separate us from the Holy of Holies. That was Jesus Christ that did that for us. So being in relationship with God is, is, is so important and is, and is stitched into this narrative of this first area of, of creation. The second one is around self-identity. Is about, you know, we are made in the image of Christ. So it's your relationship with self. Well, how can I have a relationship with myself? Relationship with self, knowing that who you are, and most importantly, knowing whose you are, that identity with self. Third area within relationships is, is relationship with community, us together. That's so important that we don't have that together we will never make this life. I, I, cannot, I cannot do this life without you. I'm going to be honest with you. It's wonderful. I love doing life with Christelle and my children. But man, I, I just, I'm so filled with life when I do life together with you. And it's so important to know that we have been designed to be together, to be in community with each other. And relationships together is so important. that we walk unashamed in our community as well. When community is not just us sitting over here together as our Christ followers, but community is, is a place where you find yourself in as well. It might be in your workplace, in your, in your area of residence. 
It might be your, your place where you go and gym on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. That is your community as well too, to unashamedly pronounce Jesus Christ in your life. As I said, you know, again, if you have the coffee machine or you might be with your friend who you gym or you see someone in the street who you might walk into on an often basis and you say, hey, how are you doing? How's the family doing? How are your children doing? And they might openly say, hey, things are not going well. And you're going to say, hey, I would love to pray for you. I did this to a colleague at work the other day. We were standing um, on a kind of like an open section. There were stairs, there's three floors and kind of like a bit of an open auditorium. And we, and we were just standing there and I was asking him, saying, hey, Peter, how are you doing? He said, ah, oh, not doing so well. I've got a bit of problems in my gut. And we were just talking through that. And I said, hey, um, would you mind if I, if I pray for you? He's like, yeah, 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 sure. I said, can I pray for you now? <laughs> He's like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so right there and then, you know, there were people walking around us. I just laid my hands on him. And it wasn't a long prayer, 10 seconds. That was it. Closed my eyes, didn't make it weird. Put my hands, and I asked him, hey, can I just put my hand on, my sh- on your shoulder? He's like, sure. I said, Father, I bring this man to you right now. I bring his ailment to you. I pray healing over him in Jesus' name. Amen. It was that simple. That simple. Guys, we've been called to preach the gospel to people in our lives. And, and it's, it's that simple. And I want throughout this missional series, I want you to be praying that God gives you the courage to be able to approach your closest neighbor. To approach, and that again, that neighbor might be someone, you know, it might be a colleague at work. It might be someone in the, in the street that you bump into on a regular basis at the bus stop. I remember when we used to take the bus, I used to see, uh, you know, that same person every single time catching that same, same bus, right? Yeah, I think some of us can recognize that. Let's not be afraid to, to, uh, to approach a person, introduce ourselves, saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, and get to know them, and eventually have an opportunity to pray for them. Uh, the, the, the fourth area is around relationship with the world, meaning that stewarding creation, you know, God has put creation into our hands to steward and we need to be in relationship with that as well, too. So important to, to know that we are, are here to create culture and to make sure that we are, are taking care of what the Lord has given us. The second area is the fall, right? So it's important to know that, that sin exists in our life and that sin exists all around us. Satan is going to tempt us all the time. He did it to Jesus when he was in the desert. Three times he tempted him. He, he, he tempted the disciples. There was, you know, they were quarreling about who's going to be the greatest. Yeah, and Jesus said, no, it's actually well those who, who are last will be first. Remember that? You know, Satan is always tempting us to try and be better than, uh, than, than, than what, we, what we can imagine. And, I, and we, we are. We, you know, the Lord has called us to and do incredible things. But Satan tries to tempt us with many things in this life, with riches of this world, saying, hey, you need to have that car, that house, that job, that title, that spouse, whatever it is, in order to be something. But no, I want to tell you that you are good enough. You are good enough with Christ in you. All things are possible. And so I want us to, to remember as well to that, you know, that Satan does exist. And I think many times we, we don't preach it much. Not, you know, I want to rather preach on the side of God than, than, than Satan. But I, I, it's always good to remember that Satan is like a prowling lion ready to pounce on us, ready to devour us. And many times we can villainize people around us, right? So racism exists. War exists. All of that. We can always villainize others. 
Mohammed Atta, who was a part of the 9-11, he villainized the Americans. Sorry, Joe, no, you guys are amazing. You know, and, and you know, and so you know, instead of thinking that not America is the, not America is the savior, but he, he, you know, instead of thinking America being the savior, he actually saw America as Satan. And I think that's important to realize that sometimes we can villainize those around us if we don't realize that we are facing an enemy that is unseen. The greatest trick that Satan has pulled is, pulled is, is to, to make that people believe that he doesn't exist. And it's so important to realize that, that he exists, and that we are fallen beings, and that we are in need of a savior. And that comes to my third point, redemption. The good news is that God, our Father, our Creator, out of his great love, has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, and death, making all things new through Jesus Christ, who was sent to this earth, so that we can be redeemed of our sins. So important that that is the third component in the, in the Christian narrative for our lives. And that we can, we can live our lives knowing that when we adopt Christ in our lives, when we live through Christ, we can do all things through him. And so important that when we live our life filled with Christ, he gives us the power, the strength to be able to go and be missional in our, in our life. To go be those mature missional disciples as we saw from the slide earlier in what our, our mission statement is. It's so important to know that we have the power, we're empowered to be able to go speak to people. Again, there's nothing, there, there is no thing like private faith. You know, closet Christians, I've, you, I think you've heard of these terms, that doesn't exist. It's a fallacy. It's not true. We're being called to go out into the world and make disciples. Guys, go is not a passive stance. It's an activation. And I want, to ask, I want to ask you this question this morning. is like, where in your world, who in your world do you believe you have the possibility to, to speak to or influence in your life? And I want you guys to think about that. Later on in the series, uh, we're going to be very practical about our mission statement, or at least this missional life in taking practical steps in being missional in our approach. And I think and I was just reminded as well to the other day that, that sometimes we think about missional or being missional as going out into these far distant countries, into China and dark Africa and southern European countries or South Europe. And, and that's awesome. That's great to go to those countries. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely necessary to go out into these, these places, right? It could also be in Malmo as well too, right? There's, there's some places, a lot of places that don't know Jesus. You know? don't have to go very far to, to be missional. But the, your mission can as well as be the person right next to you, who lives right next to you, who gyms with you, who goes to the swimming pool with you, who goes to the same play park as your children. That can be your mission as well. So don't think, guys, that missional life means that you need to embark upon this, this journey that is far, far away. It can be that, but it, it, it's not all of that only. Right? So, so important. Uh, so we are saved from the penalty of sin, 2 Corinthians. We are saved from the power of sin, Romans 6. We are saved from the presence of sin, Revelation 21. We are saved for a person in John 17. Fourth area, fourth area is uh, restoration. The band, you guys can come up so long. Probably going to be my shortest message ever. You guys are going to love it. Band, you guys can come up so long. So looking to a future of restoration. Meaning that one day we're going to be in heaven one day with our, our Father. And for me, and, and, I, and Christelle knows this as well too, I, I try to live a life with, it, with an eternal perspective in mind. Meaning that the choices that you make today 
will result and echo into eternity. The choices that you make in this very, very small snippet of life, this time frame that you're living in, will echo into eternity. And it's so important to realize that we have a short period of time in this life to make a difference, to be missional, to be able to reach out to our neighbors. Guys, don't be shy. Don't have that private faith. I think it's important to realize that we have the opportunity to be able to make a difference in this life. And we've been called to be able to be mission, missional in our life. We've been called to make a difference in this life, to take that bold step of faith. So everything you do, everything that you think of, let your life be positioned with eternity in mind. Every, every decision that you make, have the end in mind. Our response to all of these areas are three things. We are called to repentance. As I prayed earlier, or as we prayed earlier, again, if you have been convicted in this message this morning to feel that you want to come forward and just pray again the sinner's prayer, the first step in coming into the Christ narrative is to repent of your sins, is to make a, a, a declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. Secondly, is, is that we are called to respond to faith. Guys, it's, it's not going to be easy in this life to live a, a life that is filled with faith, to hand over our lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, take the wheel. As I can't remember who sang that song. Was it Katy Perry? No, I don't know. Could be. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the reins in my life. And I think that's so important to, to know that that is what faith is. It's believing in something greater than yourself. Believing in something that is greater than yourself. Standing in faith, believing that God's got it. He's got it. We don't have to try and work it out ourselves. We don't have to try and figure it out ourselves. We don't have to try and like, wrestle with this topic of financial constraint. We don't have to wrestle with this topic of the next job. We don't have to wrestle with the topic of, 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 of relationships because God has got it. Stand in faith and believe that he has got it. Third area, final response is obedience. To begin to order our lives in alignment with God's character and he desires us to flourish. Walking in obedience. Guys, God hasn't called us to a perfect life. There's nothing like that. None of us are perfect, but we can walk in obedience. We're not perfect, but we can walk in obedience. Obedience to his word, to follow him, surrendering all parts of our life to him. And I think that is so important that we walk in obedience, that we walk in the spirit, laying down our lives before him. And so I want to encourage us this morning as I close this passage out of John 15 verses 4 to 6 is uh, possibly one of my favorite pieces in, in the Bible. And it says this, that remain in me or abide in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. And when we talk about fruit, we speak about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit. When exhibiting, exhibiting those, spirit, those, those fruits of the Spirit, people are going to start questioning your life. They're going to say, hang on a second, why, why are you so happy? 
Why do you forgive? You've got such self-control. There's going to be an attraction about your life that people are going to say, well, hang on, tell me more. That will be the platform for you to be able to testify what Christ is doing in your life. Sorry, I interrupt myself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Remain in me. What is the narrative for your life? Is one that is void of God? Or is it one that is interwoven with God, with Christ? And when you find your life interwoven, interwoven with Jesus Christ, you will find that you live your best life. Your life has purpose, meaning, direction. Your life will be missional. What does it mean to have a, a purposeful life? It means that there's a mission, there's a goal, there's an end direction, there's a, there's a point of living. You felt that at this point in your life you have no reason to live. You feel like there's, life is meaningless or, or missionless. I would like to invite you to engage in this series and come join me at the end of the service. I want to pray for you. I really believe that you will discover more for your life through Jesus Christ as, as you weave him into your life fabric.